So today at the Observing Fulton podcast, we are interviewing Deborah Stout. She is the executive director of the Fulton Collaborative, a professor at Cal State Fullerton, and the co-owner of Dr. S Nonprofit Consulting. So, hi Debbie, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. So, let's get started with your background first. So, what is your role at Cal State Fullerton and um, the University of Arizona Global Campus? I've actually been at Cal State University Fullerton for over 16 years now, and I have, in the, in the college, I'm a faculty member mm-hmm. for the College of Health and Human Development. And in that role, that capacity, I teach classes in the Department of Child and Adolescent Studies mm-hmm. and also in the Department of Counseling and Human Services. And mostly those classes are like research classes um, and they're upper grade, like senior level students. Um, I also teach the practicum class, so a lot of the students that are going to be going out there in the field of becoming a teacher, mm-hmm. maybe a social worker, um, those are all the students that are in that department. And then I also teach a leadership and personal development for our human services and counseling students as well. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's an impressive. Exactly. And then for the <laughs> University of Arizona, I'm teaching online. It's the global campus. Mm-hmm. I've been there for, um, quite a while as well. And that role I teach in the human services, um, the graduate level, master's and doctorate level students. So they are working on their doctorate degrees, so I help them with research as they prepare for their dissertation and kind of think about what projects they want to do, and then I also teach in like public policy and leadership classes as well for human service uh, major students there. So you've been doing this online stuff way before the rest of the world went online, right? Exactly. I was doing online and we got trained and had my certification um, like in 2000 and um, I think it was five. So we've been doing online education for a while and it has been really helpful when we transitioned in 2020 because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I've been doing this for a while, I knew how to do it. So this is just our first curiosity, but did was Zoom a thing before the pandemic too for you, or were you guys using something else? Um, well, I do a lot of asynchronous classes, meaning mm-hmm. that we come on at different times, and so we don't meet synchronously with the Zoom meetings. Um, and so it was, you know, yeah. something I think more so. I've done Zooms before the uh, pandemic, but after definitely yeah. more. Lots and lots of Zooms. Exactly. So how does that hybrid kind of work with you? You know, you've been doing it before the pandemic. I think a lot of people kind of got introduced to it after the pandemic. You know, some people go in three days a week and stay home too or vice versa, whatever it works out for them. But you've been doing the hybrid thing for a while now. Absolutely. And I really enjoy because of the flexibility and because I'm able to be in the community a lot more. But it also helps with um, the students because we know that the students right now are dealing with so many things in their life. Um, and it's a way for them to be flexible. And so that's one of the, the benefits of online education is the flexibility that it provides for the community and for the students as well. There is definitely challenges because um, you don't have that uh, one-on-one, like in the classroom you're there. And so my role and really my training has been building that relationship in the classroom. And so my students always say, you guys have the, you have the most interactive class because that's what I need to have, you know, and that's what we want to facilitate because the especially in 2020, 2021, we felt very isolated online. Mm-hmm. So yeah. building that community in an online form is hard. That was certainly a difficult time, but you're really good at building community, which is shown through you know, your involvement in the, in the Fulton Collaborative. You're the executive director now. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about your role there and how you got involved. Actually, we were always, uh, we've been a member for quite a while as uh, our business. Um, and then approximately, I'd say, like, what was it, 2014, 
um, we came, um, the executive director needed some support because she had to take back some of her time back in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I'll help you out, especially because I wanted to get more involved in my community. Because mm -hmm. one of the things I saw when I was teaching online is that there are so many great things happening and then I get so involved with you know, my, my courses and scheduling, mm -hmm. I wanted to get more involved in the community. And so in 2014 is when I stepped up and I started supporting the executive director, mainly to support Faces of Fullerton, mm -hmm. um, and also the events that were happening for the collaborative. And then the following year in 2015, the executive director had to step down um, fully, and so they offered me that position. And so since 2015, I've been executive director mm -hmm. trying to, um, to really support the work and the, the needs within the community as well. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting mm -hmm. in, in my capacity there. Right. Seven years as the head of the Fulton Collaborative, that's truly incredible. Um, and as somebody who's been to the collaborative meetings and I've interviewed, I was just joking earlier like about how the board, um, it, it's Fulton Collaborative is such an amazing organization, so if you don't mind talking a little bit more about what you all do in the community and how people could get more involved with the collaborative? Absolutely. So the Fullerton Collaborative um, really works to help build what they use collective impact mm -hmm. um, and be able to address the needs within our city um, in a way that is um, really successful and what the research is also s supporting. So we do meet our um, generally at once a month. Yeah. So um, we meet monthly and just to kind of build the collaboration, build the community aspect of it. And then we um, have our subcommittees, and that's one of the things that while I was started, you know, seven years ago, was really mm -hmm. investing in those subcommittees. And the, the subcommittees are areas and gaps that were identified by key leaders in the city mm -hmm. um, in 2014. They actually came together, and we had a um, really, a, kind of like a powwow or discussion about what are the needs in our city. And those four areas were homelessness. We definitely saw that um, we needed to look at that in 2014, you know, like right. eight years ago, right? Um, and so that was addressed. And so we have a subcommittee to really look at homelessness. Mm -hmm. How does the faith community work um, with the homeless? How does the business community work with the homeless? How can we work together along with the education? And then um, we also have the at-risk youth. Mm -hmm. So we had, it used to be called the at-risk youth subcommittee, but then we're like, who wants to be a part of your team? Do you want to be a part of the at-risk committee? So they we actually named it and really focused on the positive aspect, and they call it next gen because mm -hmm. they are the next generation. They are the, the the really the future of the city of Fullerton. And so we meet with um, the key you know people that work with teens and youth um, in all the different areas, um, addressing workforce. We also address how college, like how to look for college and, and support them and you know, financial and um, also like how to you know, get a grants and apply for college. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also were looking at doing a teen youth council mm -hmm. in some capacity with the city of Fullerton. Um, and then we also have health and wellness, State and Jude, we work with them and we provide support and how we can address the health and wellness in the city, not only physical, but also the mental health as we're seeing with the pandemic right now. And really, the needs with our youth and even adults um, has really sh shaped and addressed those needs that we're seeing in high rates of, you know, mental health issues, suicide, but also use of drugs and some of the pandemic that we're seeing with the use of um, illegal. Drugs.
drugs in the city and unfortunate deaths in the city because of that. And then the last area we do is early education. You know, we really think that it's great to work with the elder adults, but we, if we start early on with the families when they're before getting into kindergarten, how can we address those needs as well? And so there's some research countywide that we're bringing to the city of Fullerton. So we do have a lot going yeah, on, lot. Um, yes, and it's a great organization um, and to get involved with as well. Right, it's a lot of imperative work that's needed in the city, and I always get so fascinated and just, you know, amazed by how much work the Fulton Collaborative does and how passionate and enthusiastic all these leaders are about making positive change in the community. So I truly appreciate you personally for doing this stuff. So you mentioned earlier about your own business. It's Dr. S Nonprofit Consulting. Could you tell me a little bit more about how that got started? Yeah. So when we, we've been in the countywide doing things for many years now. Um, we're going on like over 30 years of just individually working in the county. Um, and so when we started thinking about having a family, we're like, okay, we need to have a family. We really wanted to address the needs within our community. And so we pulled back a lot. And that's when we formed Dr. S Nonprofit Consulting. And that way we were able to help nonprofits because people were coming to us saying, we need support, we need support. And so we, we actually created a, a business to help support nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And so in that role and capacity, um, we have helped um, nonprofits with research. You know, a, lot, a lot of them will come to us saying we have a grant um, or we have a board that we need to provide what we're doing. And so we'll actually help support them and do a, a research-based project, which is outcome-based for their nonprofit. Um, we've also been approached for grants um, and have, having them to support, they have a grant in mind, they want us to help support writing that grant, and so we'll be able to help with grant writing, funding, fund sourcing. Also, we've had individuals that have a great idea and they don't know how to become a 501c3 nonprofit organization, um, and so we will uh, be able to help them and develop them um, in the legal and all the avenues of becoming a 501c3 or maybe even dissolving their 501c3 in appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. So there's all different um, information. Um, I co-founded with my husband, Dr. the other Dr. Stout, Dr. Mm -hmm. Dallas Stout, and all of um, the re resources we have our website, feel free to you know, join us on our website at drsconsulting.org and that tells you all of the stuff that we can help provide you as well. We're very busy so we d we're very picky on who we yeah. actually support. Yeah, it's a it's a hub of everything you can know about nonprofits. Absolutely, and on there you can also see examples of reports about what we're doing and who we're involved within the city and actually countywide as well. Yeah. So, you know, just hearing you talk about all this stuff, I realized just how much work you do, and and I looked into some of your work, and it's just you're such an incredible leader, mm -hmm. and you were. Um, awarded named leader of the year by YWCA OC for this year. So what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned by being such an effective and efficient leader? That is, when I was awarded that award, I always felt very humble mm -hmm. because I didn't think I deserve it. Um, there's so many great people um, that I work with that are amazing leaders. And so I think as I was you know, reflecting back then in, in our journey, um, we were actually approached a while back to write um, a chapter in a book with one of our professors at the university. And in that book, it was about therapists and clinicians that give back to their community and their advocacy. Mm -hmm. um, and how do they advocate beyond that? They say beyond the therapeutic hour. So when I you know, reflect back on that, 
in my journey to get to where I'm at, it started back when I was 12. Um, I grew up in a little teeny town in Idaho, and I moved to California, to amazing California, mm -hmm. you know, the, the land of plenty. Mm -hmm. um, and then while I was here, my, my sister, um, who was actually 13, um, she was going to school. And, and at school, a, a young man carried a gun, a 22 cal caliber gun, and um, actually shot one of her classmates and had a hit list of people that they were going to, um, that he was going to get. And this was long before Columbine or um, before what we see now. While, so I was like 15 years of age when this happened, and my daughter, my daughter, my sister was actually on the list. That made me think, like, wow, this is happening in my backyard. This is happening. Now, eventually, we, um, my family moved um, out of California, and they cited other reasons, but it could have been, you know, I think that the violence that they saw and that my sister could have been a part of really scared them. So when I come back and think about that early experience, that really motivates me to who I am and why I am so involved in advocacy and making a difference. And so I started with the Department of Education years ago, working in their violence prevention, and I co-chaired this Ambassador of Peace Awards. And then eventually I was asked to be uh, the chair of, with my husband, Dallas Stout, um, the chair of the Violence Prevention Coalition of Orange County. And so within that capacity, I've been very passionate about my work because of my experiences, but also just seeing the impact in the community as well. And, you know, how we were able to change policy because of it, how we are able to um, really change how we view and work with youth in our community, not a negative focus, but more of a positive focus. So that really influences who I am as a leader as well. Mm, yeah. I'm extremely okay. sorry about the experience with your sister. I think as a generation that has grown up in active shooter drills, and that is something, it, it still doesn't get easier to hear about it doesn't. Yeah. It's just it's it's a horrific reality of this country, exactly. Yeah, and that's why when I, that happened, and then fourteen or now fifteen years ago, my we started to have thinking about having a family. Our daughter was born, and so she's now at the age where my sister was at. You know, so it's just, it just brings a lot of that full circle about making an impact in her community, my daughter's community. And that's why when I give back to Fullerton, I'm giving back to my daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the teachers that we work with, they have, they work with my daughter in some capacity, or someone knows them. And sometimes my daughter thinks that she's cursed because she has two, two psychologists as parents, right? <laughs> um, but really, our hope is to make a better world for her and for the, the youth that we have in our city. Mm -hmm. And what a great hope. What a great, you know, hope is also a form of planning, so. What a great plan you have for the future. So, what advice would you give to rising leaders, you know, in the nonprofit sector? One of the things um, I think about is, I think coming to the coming to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for rising leaders, it's often we, we think we have a great we have a great idea. Maybe you do have a great idea, but not coming to the table, not knowing who else is doing it, the work. Mm -hmm. um, I think is a, a critical mistake and a miss that can happen. Mm -hmm. So I encourage like the new leaders to come to the Kabbalah meetings, for example. Know who's in 
the, the city that you're at. Um, raise your hand. You know, sometimes it's scary to be the only one um, that would be willing to do some kind of a, a meeting or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's been my role is that don't, you know, have the courage to stand up for yourself and then also work together. Mm -hmm. uh, I teach, actually, the leadership class at Cal State Bulletin, mm -hmm. and so I have a lot of students that ask me that as well. Like, what should we do as leaders and who do we look up? And they have, like, a project that they have to find a leader that they... Um, I want to emulate and they interview them and um, it's a, one of the things that overall Archie that I see from the youth and from my students is that they they love the need for relationships mm -hmm. and that I think a leader has to have that relationship with their clients with their you know community and with their team and so that's one of the things that I switched on you know over the last 20 years is really focusing on building relationships and connections. Hence, you know, it's kind of like a good fit with the collaborative, right? Because that's yeah. really all we do is about relationships mm -hmm. and building that community. Uh, but also to be able to hear hear what other people can say and work collaboratively. And how about leaders in the academic arena? Because I feel like that's a bit more of a different, I mean, I, would, I, I, I assume it to be different. I think you would know better than the nonprofit world. I think, in, especially in the academia, we see silos, mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of focus on our own research, our own um, expertise, mm -hmm. and so one of the challenges that we do have is working collectively as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think as leaders in the field, it's good to reach out to others and mm -hmm. connect with others as well. Because you can feel, I think, very lonely, even as an undergrad, mm -hmm. you know, in academia, you're trying to do all these things, and you think, just, this is the only thing I have to focus on, but then when you reach out to others, you know, you're like, oh, you're struggling with the exact same thing that I'm struggling in, like that. I know it's so obvious, but I feel like we forget to do it so often. Absolutely. And yeah. I see that on our campus at the university. Like, um, we have one college that's doing this program, maybe around homelessness, and then another college doing it around another. So why don't we work together? Yeah. You know, instead of having like five different subcommittees, have one committee that works together collectively. And I think, yeah. you know, it's really shifted over the last five years and we continue to do that as well. Yeah. So what do you recommend as, you know, like how do you communicate those kind of needs? How do you reach out? I feel like everyone's so busy with their lives these days. And I think because of social media and our constant need to just doom scroll, like especially my generation, we don't have that kind of ability, I think, that is needed. Or perhaps we just need to train ourselves to do it, but how do you communicate, you know, across campuses? How do you communicate across communities and, and kind of bring people together? Because I know that's a lot of work, but as somebody who has done it, you know, what do you recommend? One of the, there's different avenues, and you can come from the bottom up or the top down approach, right? And I've found that both are needed. And so working with the students and having them have their voice and say, this is what we really need but also getting the leaders, the people that are the policy makers, the people that can make a difference and impact within the institution is important to have. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's why like even at the collaborative level, if you look at our board members, we have an amazing, amazing board that are um, doing some critical changes within our city, within their own avenues, but then they come together and they are open-minded and they're willing to work together collab collectively. So you need to be able to find um, find those individuals in your community that can make that impact and make that change and bring them to the table. Make sure that they're invited to the table. I think that's the key mm -hmm. as a leader. Right. 
to bring all the people who can do all the work and are doing the work and bring them, put them together. I think as a leader, I feel like you need to kind of have that broader instinct of these are the people, this is what their strengths are and this is what their weaknesses are, but if you put them together, it will complement each other well. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Bring them both together. And I think social media is important to share that information. Um, and we're trying, we're trying to get that, you know, out the, out the message out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a community that we have limited resources, and especially, you know, with what's going on in maybe the world and funding and a lot yeah. of the nonprofits that are, like, worried about when they're going to get their next check. And so if we work together, we can realize that we can actually build a stronger voice mm-hmm. and advocate for more funding for those right. different av- avenues as well. Right. Yeah, that's truly incredible. So... You know, you, you're the executive director at Fulton Collaborative, you teach at Cal State Fullerton, you spend a lot of time here, you do a lot of work here. What is it that you love about this community that kind of keeps you going? I think, you know, I, we actually met my I met my husband here, Aww. Cal State Fullerton. <laughs> now we're going on uh, 28 years, and so I've uh, met him on the campuses. I actually had classes where I actually t- was a student and I teach in that class, which is really interesting. But uh, just that memory um, of just the college community is is really my heart, mm-hmm. um, and it brings life to it constantly. Like every semester, every six months, it seems like it just re- rejuvenates itself. I really appreciate the um, just the community aspects of everything. And like I said, with my daughter when she was born. We wanted to give back to this community, and so I think the passion um, and just, you know, the history of the, the, the city, and, but the people, the people yeah. is what brings me, you know, really to love Fullerton yeah. the most. Yeah, the people here are amazing, you know, the, some of the most generous, open-minded people that I've ever met in my entire life. Somebody yeah. who's lived in, you know, multiple different places. It's I think moving here automatically I realized just how well knit the community is, well connected everyone is. Like it's such a big city but it has a small town feel. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So it's amazing. So who else it who, what other incredible humans should we interview on this podcast? Wow, that's a great question. And you've done an amazing job, your team <laughs> here, to interview some great leaders in in and also community members that are doing a, a big impact in our city. Um, as I was looking at the lists and considering things, you know, I know that Beth Berryman would be an excellent. She works um, with Crittenden Services right, right now. She's, you know, getting gearing up for um, Sana and the, the Angel Tree Project um, mm-hmm. that they give back to their community. She has many roles that she does have on her hat as the also the Fulton School Board um, member as well. Um, I know that you mentioned um, like any of the collaborative members have coming to <laughs> come to the collaborative meeting second Mondays two thirty um, in the library and you'll find a whole bunch of people that would be great interviews but the board especially the the collaborative um, board chair Leanna Fucci mm-hmm. um, she's taking a role with the business community as well mm-hmm. downtown Fullerton is a, is a great resource we have our four subcommittee chairs. Um, Helene Morris, who works for the Fullerton School District um, and also helps support the board as well, would be a fabulous interviewee. Um, she does amazing work with um, working with our schools and um, services with mental health services as well as other you know individuals. Um, Jason Phillips, he's um, a chaplain for the Fullerton Police Department, mm-hmm. but also she, he is a pastor for a local church. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, he 
is the chair, a co-chair for the Homelessness Subcommittee and working with the Hope Center um, would be great. Kelly Fritzel is the new executive director of the Hope Center. Mm -hmm. And then also Lisa McFerrin, who works for Fullerton College, is the co-chair. So any of the co-chairs, I think they are leaders in their um, right. They know what's going on. They know who to connect with in the city. And they have an amazing story that I think needs to be shared as well. Yeah, well, thank you so much for the recommendations. We'll definitely add them to our list and try our best to get to them next year at this point. Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy how fast it's gone by. You know, our Halloween pumpkin is now our Thanksgiving pumpkin. Yes. <laughs> Time really flies by. But really, Debbie, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your experience with us. I think it's incredibly helpful to us, our team, as well as, you know, anybody who's watching this who wants to get involved. Thank you. Thank you again for sharing the time with me.